Amen. You can be seated. My name is Lynn Taylor, campus pastor here at the Fellowship of Mount Juliet. We're excited about today for a ton of reasons. Um, the largest one being that you're here with us and you're online with us. And we're celebrating the risen Savior from last Sunday. And I hope we say that every Sunday and every day that goes by that we celebrate the resurrection. Uh, part of it was the death. When he conquered the death, everything changed. Everything. And Paul was such a huge part of the first and second and third missionary journeys. He went on to, to, to celebrate that and to talk about that in relationship to starting churches all over the area in the region. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. And um, we're continuing the series. We took a two-week break, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Took a two-week break on... Our study of Galatians and looking at what Paul has for the New Testament church. And as a part of that, we looked at all kinds of things that related to the law and grace. Law versus grace. And how confused we get over those two very simple things that become complex in our lives. How many of you have looked at someone or heard it said that kid has promise that kid has promise maybe it's been said of you sure we've, we've heard that before a prodigy and we look at him and we think man that kid has promise there's something different there's something about them Paul's writing to his own kids to the children of Galatians, over that area of Galatia, in Galatians 4 today. He's reminding us that we're not only the children of promise, we're the children of the promise. As he's talking to those Galatians, he's talking to us today. That's the title of our message today, People of the Promise. So we left off three weeks ago with... Paul saying, I'm perplexed by you. I'm perplexed by you. You ever looked at someone and said, what were you thinking? You, you ever done that? I have in my, if you know me, I'm not sarcastic at all. Uh, what were you thinking? And, and I'm sure... Moses had that when he's walking off the mountain looking over the valley. I'm sure Jesus looks at Judas like, what, what were you thinking? When you did that, when you said that, when you acted that way, when you, what, what were you thinking? Well, Paul's looking at the Galatians the same way. What were you thinking? So today's passage is an allegory. An allegory defined is a story, a poem, a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden or deeper meaning. 
used often in this time period. And uh, this allegory today, we'll search and talk through. So let's stand together. Galatians chapter 4. We're standing in honor of God's word. Verse 21, follow with me. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by, by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. These things are being taken figuratively, for the woman, for the women represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. That is Hagar. Now Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout. You who are not in labor for the children of the desolate woman will be many. More numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Verse 28. Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, and the son of the slave will never be co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave but of the free woman. Father, today, may we be clear in the message, clear with Scripture, that these words may jump off the pages of this Bible into our hearts figuratively, that we may apply them practically. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. So they're talking about Genesis. Scripture's talking about Genesis. Paul's writing about what happened with Abraham. In a nutshell, many of you already know this, but if you don't, in a nutshell, um, the idea of the promise came to Sarah and Abraham from God. A covenant to them. Sarah was barren, and over the years, older, could not have children. She took things in her own hands and decided, you know what, Abraham, why don't you have a child with Hagar? She can have a baby. She's younger. She's a slave. So they conjured this up and helped God and moved into what they thought it, it wasn't malice. It wasn't like trying to destroy it. It was trying to fulfill it, the promise. But the promise didn't start with Hagar. The promise started with Sarah. So for 17 years-ish, 
Ishmael was the only child that lived in the home. And then lots of songs are written about it, about Sarah is pregnant. Don't laugh out loud. <laughs> it's a promise of God. A promise of God. That promise became Isaac. Today, we're asking a question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God or do you not? Do you follow God or do you not? Does he know better than you or does he not? This scriptural reference points back to the story of Abraham that I just shared. And the issue behind Galatians and Judaizers and how the confusion of the flesh and the spirit came together. The law versus grace. And he has said it uh, at least seven times we've talked about in here. The difference between law and grace. It's the old covenant and the new covenant. And the differences that both of those mean. And what is in effect now and what is in effect in the past. A promise. Sarah decided that she was going to help God along by bringing something to pass quicker. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that before. It, raise your hand. Have you ever helped God along? Have you ever done that before? Raise your hand up. Don't be scared. Okay, three. Okay, that's great. I have. Because I felt a promise from God. I read it in Scripture. It matched up. It aligned with what God's purpose was that I felt like, the Scripture's teaching. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to help this along. Now, of those same hands, how much messier did it get after I got involved right <laughs> it I thought you know it, it's it's in line with what God was teaching it's in line with scripture it's in line with what Paul was saying and to give a little bit it's in it's in Philippians and I thought you know what Lynn's gonna get involved and I'll just help this along and it got messy because Lynn got involved. Our plans are often not God's plans. And if, even if they are, they're not in the right timing. They're not in God's timing. And it ends up a bigger mess. And all we do is try to, even with best intentions, we try to clean up all the mess. When God made a promise. So number one, God's timing is perfect. The old covenant versus the new covenant. The law in the old covenant, grace, the new covenant. Hagar, the slave, the old covenant. Hagar is the old covenant. Sarah, the free woman, is the new covenant in this story. Ishmael, we got from Hagar is the old covenant conceived through the flesh, Scripture says. 
Isaac, the new covenant comes from the free woman conceived miraculously. The old covenant, earthly Jerusalem. The new covenant, heavenly Jerusalem. Now it's important to understand how these principles affect and relate to our human choice and responsibility. So when God gives a clear promise that matches with Scripture, then it's going to happen. It doesn't say when, it says it's going to happen. And so God's going to do something in our life. You can't stop it. You can't help it. You can't mess it up from what God is wanting to do unless you decide, a choice you make, to get involved. And I'm going to help God along with it. We're responsible and accountable for our choices. That's called consequences. We face our consequences and are responsible for our choices. And usually it's at the end of the rope that we finally give in. God has always tried to demonstrate purposes to humanity. His purposes never change. And because his purposes never change, when he gives us a promise, he also doesn't leave us there. We lose patience. And we forget the choices that we're making. And it's usually not with malice. It's usually not trying to destroy it. It's usually trying to help God along because it's not happening fast enough. His timing is perfect in the lives of Hagar and Sarah. In the Galatians of that day and in our lives today, God's timing is always perfect. We don't need to go kicking indoors to help open something up to help God out. Either, either it's so it will go our way or it will go God's way. And whatever our intention is, we don't need to go kicking the doors down trying to help lift windows just so God pays attention where he should go. We don't like to wait upon the Lord. How many times does it say wait upon the Lord in Scripture? <laughs> A couple of hundred maybe? <laughs> Patience. Wait on the Lord. Part of that is a spiritual significance of who we're trusting in this relationship especially when there's a promise to be made we don't like waiting N number two when God makes a promise he'll bring it to pass when God makes a promise he will bring it to pass there was an elderly lady at a church that I served in East Tennessee at Manly Baptist Church. And we used to make fun of her. <laughs> I know you find that strange, but uh, that I would admit that. But I'm admitting it now because she's right. She was right. And, and here's the way it would go when we're in a meeting, when we're in the hallway, when we're talking, we would try to get her to say, something and whenever we would say well isn't that a promise of God or isn't that a promise isn't that promised by God she would say 
And we get points for how many times she said this. <laughs> I know it's warped. She would say, it's not just a promise, it's a fact. It's not just a promise, it's a fact. And then when she'd say that, we'd all look at each other like, okay, well, who got that point? I forgot. But you know what? She's right. A covenant is established by God. When it's a promise of God, it lines up in Scripture. It's a fact. Now we have to make choices along the way. Are we going to wait and allow God to do what God does? Or are we going to interact and mess this up? He doesn't expect or need our help. Just like in the days he promised Isaac. Just like Abraham got involved and Sarah. And we ended up with Ishmael. And how that plays out in all the consequences. Paul's trying to establish physical birth that makes us sinners and spiritual birth that makes us children of God. Let me say that again. Paul is trying to establish the fact that we have a physical birth. That's why we're sinners. And there's a spiritual birth that makes us the children of God. We cannot mix the law and grace. We can't mix faith and works. We can't miss, mix God's gift of righteousness and man's attempt at earning it. Over and over in Scripture, especially Paul, when he's writing to his churches that he started, he's trying to clarify the difference of relationship with Jesus and religion and what that means. Number three, you are children of the promise. You are children of the promise. Now this sounds harsh because he's making a distinction between you and others. Believers in Jesus Christ and the Judaizers. He's making a distinction. He loves the Judaizers. He wants them for himself, but they refuse to yield to him because they want power and control. They want to hold on to it. They don't want to give it away. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever will loses their life for me will find it. Flesh. And the spirit, they cannot be mixed. We try to compromise. It didn't work with Abraham in his home. It doesn't work in our home. It doesn't work with us. We slowly try to compromise, and it leads us to bondage. Being in bondage to sin. It holds us down. It frustrates us. False teachers often say, don't abandon Christ. Don't abandon Christ. Just 
to walk a deeper life, to walk a deeper Christian life, we want you to practice the law. That's a false teacher. Because that's not what Jesus taught. That's not what Paul is carrying out in Scripture. Invite Hagar, uh, Hagar and Ishmael back into your home. And you will return to bondage and entanglement with sin. The old nature and the new nature. How tangled we get. We try to change them. We try to interchange them. We try to mish them together. Mush? Is that a word? Mush? Flesh is always flesh. We can't mix them together. We have to cast them out. Scripture says, Paul says, to, to cast them out, to flee. Now that Jesus had come, the law had to go. The promise of God had been born had died, had been raised from the dead, conquered death, and offers you freedom today. The law had to go. You can't earn your salvation. I said it many times from up here on this pulpit. If, if we could just climb a tree, kill a bear, swim the river, something, to earn salvation. It becomes clear in my mind because I, I did something. And that's not how it works. It's a gift. Free gift of God. Paul is saying to Christ's followers that you cannot follow the law and find freedom. And you will not find salvation. They're falling into bondage. Not finding liberty and victory. They didn't know the difference. Believer in Jesus who claims to be spiritual because of what he doesn't do is only fooling himself. Let me say that again. A believer in Jesus who claims to be spiritual because of what he doesn't do is fooling himself. That's the beginning of what we describe as legalism. Legalism in the Christian faith is difficult to talk through and wade through because there's remnants of truth. The greatest tragedy of legalism is the opportunity for the flesh to mix with the grace and become part of our fabric, of our perspective, of our faith. For instance, don't judge others. Love people instead. Don't judge people. Walk with people. Scripture says in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, don't point out the speck in your brother's eye. That speck of dust I'm pointing out in your eye when I discard the log in my own eye that you see. <laughs> I don't see. I'm not looking for it. I'm looking for your dust. I'm not looking for mine. How confusing it gets because we're told in Scripture we're a hypocrite, of which we all are. We're all hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites, yes. 
We're too worried about others and not ourselves. Scripture says to deal with the log in your own eye so you can see clearly to talk to your brother. The law sets us free from the curse. Danger. I want to point out one thing. Danger. This is with the law versus grace. And some of the things I was reading about in this, because it's, it can seem so confusing. We can't work out our own salvation. And there's parts of this scripture that point to that very thing. We get confused because we think we play a part in that salvation. That we can work that out. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> the, the good, all the good I do, is it going to one day like balance out and, and it's going to be more good than bad? No. No. You have too much bad after the first one. It's sin. Jesus is the answer. God's promise. Jesus. God's presented a plan. He fulfilled that plan. He chose you. Jesus died for you. And that's the plan. You can't earn it. You accept him or reject him. Don't let Hagar and Ishmael creep back into your life and you'll find yourself in bondage. As our band is coming back up, our, our message should be very clear. When we walk every day through work, schools, neighborhoods, anywhere we are, we should be children of grace. You're bought with a price, an incredible price. The blood of Jesus shed in our place is a price beyond imagination. We must live like it. We must put up boundaries that influence our lives. Those boundaries often are the people, and sometimes we have the wrong people around us. It becomes confusion. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's not the law. It's not rules. What people hear when they're judged. How many times have you heard this? You Christians are all about the do's and don'ts. See, that's the confusion. If we present that, you think, or you're presenting, or someone is, to their, maybe they heard it on TV or whatever, so surely not you or me. <laughs> We're confusing them. Because it's not about what we don't do that gets us there. It's our relationship with Jesus that gets us there. That we walk in grace and freedom. 
Jesus has called us to walk, to bring people with us. Choose well today. Our response today are some simple questions. I want to leave you with this thought. Are you waiting on God? For, for whatever path you're in, are you waiting on God? Where do you find strength? Are you available to God? Is God working in your life? Where do you see Him working around you? Our allegory story today is about someone who stepped into a promise. The promise was still delivered, but look at the mess it caused. The consequences that came with it. Where does God have you today? Lean in here just a minute. Lean in here just a minute. Listen to me. Can you see God working around you? Can, can you see God working around you? Because if you can't see God working around you, it may be the wrong people are around you. I'm not saying don't hang out with non-believers. Yes, that's the way the gospel gets spread. But we find encouragement and wisdom from others who help us mentor, pray for, talk with, walk with. That's our life groups. Accountability groups, our D groups, women's Bible studies, things that are encouraging to us. Maybe you need to change some things if you can't see what God's doing around you because He is at work, mighty work in others and in you. Father, today, might we see your internal workings of promise that we seek that out and we find it that we that we yearn for it what is it that you want us to do and say and feel and be as we respond to you today in the relationship we desire and are desperate for for it's your name that we pray Jesus Amen Amen